can't tell if the chemistry is good by looking at it. It wasn't clear yesterday. For the last time, the saltwater pool is a chlorine pool. This is the Talking Pools podcast with pool pros from every region in the country. If it happens in a pool, you'll hear about it here. Everything from tips and hacks to the latest tricks and trends, breaking news. We lay it on the line. We tell it like it is because we think you deserve to know. G'day folks, Peter here. Welcome back to Monday's Down Under on the Talking Pools podcast, where I'm joined with Shane from New Zealand. G'day Shane, how are you? G'day Peter, pretty good, thank you. Doing, doing well, doing well. And we have a very special guest, Wayne Iversich, all the way from sunny USA. <laughs> Woo! Hi guys, how are you all? <laughs> Living the oh, dream. Uh, how are you all? That's Y apostrophe A L L. Instead of yeah. good day, mid. How y'all? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So first of all, Shane, congratulations! First time back yeah. on the podcast since uh, thank you. number two's arrived. Yes, thank you very much. Great. How are you coping? Yeah, it's been a little while. Yeah, yeah. Um, good. Yeah, yeah. So it's been a week now since um, Dakota's graced uh, us with our presence, and yeah, we're. we're we're all trying to adapt to it, you know, having the second one. It's, um, yep. it's a big change, but it's good. It's enjoyable. Um, very tiring, mm-hmm. as everybody can imagine, but yeah, definitely worth it. How's mum doing? <laughs> but she's, yeah, yeah, they're, they're both doing really well. Um, just tired, you know, just trying the, to get the, into routine. Peter, the, the better question for Shane is, when is he going to stick a pole in her hands? <laughs> 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 Start them early, yeah? That's <laughs> Well, my daughter, when she was about 10, I said to her, uh, look, I'll show you how to uh, scoop some stuff out of the pool. And uh, physically, she was too small to handle a proper pool cleaning setup. So I got her a little butterfly net and I handed it to her. And she just looked at me as if to say, that is the dumbest idea I've ever heard in my life. So um, guess who's look, looking out for our pool? That would be me. Yeah. And Wayne, how are you going as summer starting up over there? Summer starting is starting up here. Um, uh, officially, it starts June 21st. I think that's when things flip over. Um, but yeah, our, our temperatures have been... Um, okay, here we go. I'm doing Fahrenheit, so you guys are going to have to translate for me. Yep. Uh, it's, been, it's been around the mid-80s, 85 to 90 uh, here, which is... I, Low 80s, 30s Celsius. Okay, I, don't, I, don't, I have no idea. But uh, here where I live, uh, we have a great deal of humidity. And uh, we always joke that, that August is our hottest month. And it could be well over 100 degrees Fahrenheit and be almost 100% humidity. So Ouch. Literally, you could walk out the front door and it feels like a sauna and you start sweating instantly instead of going back in and the air conditioning. But uh, it, it's, it's gearing up. So a lot of the pools over here in the States... Um, that aren't year-round, and, and those the year-round ones are more towards the south, like in Florida and, and around the Gulf of Mexico and, say, Southern California. Uh, they're all kind of kicking in gear. They've been starting uh, starting up since April, and our official 
unofficial start date for the pool season is usually Memorial Day, which is the third Sunday in May. And then usually for those pools that have to close for the winter, um, they'll go to like the beginning of September, maybe maybe mid to late September really depends on where they are. So like where I am, our pool season's very short. It's maybe four months tops. Okay. Um, yeah, and it gets wow. shorter and shorter as more north you go. This is, of course, assuming outdoor pools. Um, but yeah, everybody's ki- uh, kicking in. I mean, I, I hate to admit it, but I actually have an above ground pool in my backyard. Uh, but years ago, when uh, my wife and my daughter, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Well, wait a minute, there's, there's a thing that's my wife and my daughter bought this uh, above ground pool. It's like, I don't know, 2,500 gallons, 3,000 gallons. It's not very big. Yep. But they did it behind my back. And they actually put it up themselves <laughs> behind my back. I was out, I was working for Taylor then. I was out on a trip. And, um, you know, they filled it up and they said, We got a surprise for you, Dad, in the backyard. Oh, really? What is it? It's like, Oh, crap. <laughs> and, and I turned to my wife and I said, I am not taking care of this pool. I will never get in the pool. And I have not yet. And the pool's been out there for almost 15 years. <laughs> Having stepped foot in that pool. Wow. The closest thing I've done is is help her redo the hoses and the pump and things like that. And that's about it. That's all I'll do. No more, no less. Yep. Stand on my ground. <laughs> it's like, why did you buy a pool? You know better. How haven't I taught you anything? <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's there. <laughs> and it's clean. Better be. <laughs> you can always use it for aquaponics, grow some fish. Yep. At least well, you get, true, get yeah. a meal out of it. <laughs> well, I can I can fish for catfish <laughs> about a thousand feet from my house, so you know I can catch some catfish, make it a salt pool. Oh wow! It. Yeah, <laughs> it's meant to be. <laughs> All righty, I've I actually had one um pool years ago, and uh, the owner bought the property uh, over a million dollar property, uh, very very nice area for for our town, and he decided that he didn't want to maintain a pool. And okay. he stocked it with goldfish. Now, the trend when this pool was built in the late 70s or so was to have garden beds right up to the pool with okay. these granite rocks forming a what they thought at the time looked natural, but it was rocks held okay. in with mortar around the edge of the pool. And okay. the ground level of the garden, so you could see it, was always a bit higher. So every time it rained you'd get sand and dirt wash into the pool. It's, it's a nightmare and should never have been allowed. Right. This pool also had a huge amount of neglected garden around it. So the owner never actually had to feed the fish. There was enough nutrient entering from the garden that was complete. We're talking a major algae bloom, and right. that provided everything the goldfish needed to eat. <laughs> and I got a call from a another pool service one day, and they asked me, they said, Pete, we've got this pool we've quoted on. Can you come out and tell us how to do the job? And my first question was, why are you quoting on something you don't know how to do? Mm-hmm. And uh, we went out there and he told me that, uh, you know, I've quoted $800 on this. And I had no idea what the pool was like at this point. Mm-hmm. Went out there, looked at it. I said, are they fish? And uh, he said, yeah, they're goldfish. Uh, he said, what do I do? I said, you walk away. You just say, I'm sorry, an error has been made, and you leave. Yeah. And uh, I ended up doing that one. It was about $3,500. It cost them in comparison. 
Uh, And then after it was cleaned up, then we could start testing the equipment. And a lot of that had to be uh, replaced. Uh, Pump pump needed to be replaced. Multi-port valve needed replacement. There was a gas heater and a salt water system that weren't working. So I just removed them uh, because he didn't want to spend more money than he had to to sell the house. But uh, the staining in this pool was just off the charts. I can imagine. So um, Koi ponds here, Peter. Koi ponds. Koi ponds, yeah. Yeah, well, these were little goldfish, not not big kois. Yeah, because goldfish are are essentially carp. Mm. A kind of of carp. And koi is a kind of carp. Yeah, fair enough. Goldfish, Mm. I I know this because my kids had goldfish. Mm. Well, don't ask why. But uh, goldfish grow to the size of their environment. So mm. if you have like one goldfish in a 10-gallon aquarium, that sucker's going to get big. And, and ours did. It got to be about five inches long and about five inches long and yeah. about two or three inches long. And then, but koi are, is a variation on, on, sorry for the dogs barking, <laughs> uh, is a variation on a theme uh, because they grow, you know, to enormous heights uh, uh, and sizes. But that's a completely different subset out here in the States. Uh, aquaculture. Mm aquariums and and things of that nature and so um but yeah <laughs> that's a really bad pool to, to try to resurrect <laughs> oh, i got there um the real estate agent was thrilled i've got a lot of work off that firm in the years since but uh, um no occasionally i'll get asked look can you yeah. when you're working on the pool can you also clean the, the fish ponds mm-hmm. and i say look when i come to a job or when i leave a job anything alive in that pool is dead Mm. And they said, what about the fish? Okay, I don't think you understand what I mean by anything that is alive is dead. Uh, I just don't touch fish ponds. Um, <laughs> it's a complete different set of knowledge base and skills. And Give me one second to come back. Let's go here. Kind of expect them to come back with a goldfish or something. No, no. Well, he's gold in my, in, in, in my, in my world. This is my daughter, Kelsey. Come on in, Kelsey. <laughs> I've got too many dogs in the room. Come on, move. Ozzy, move. I'm watching my son's Malamute. This is my daughter, Kelsey. It's Peter's Good Kelsey. On the West Coast, and Shane's in New Zealand. Oh, Hello. Good. And it's like 8 o'clock in the morning. You guys here. say what time is it there, because it's not 8 o'clock in the morning here. It's 8 a.m. here. Shane's uh, just after midday. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. 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 Um, Kelsey's dropping off her dog. We're going to watch her, watch, you know, for, for a couple days. So but yep. she's here. So I thought I'd introduce you. So. Were you part of the plot in getting the above ground pulled in the backyard? Is oh, that yeah. your doing? <laughs> Should be ashamed <laughs> of yourself. For years growing up, we just wanted a pool all the time. And he's like, absolutely not. Cause I'm going to have to take care of it. And then me and my mom went to the store one day and we were like, we're doing it. <laughs> yeah. And do you take care of it? Do you um, take care of it? I don't. I don't live here. My wife does. My yeah. wife does. Wife does. I, know that. I don't do it. No. I don't do it. Do you critique the chemistry? Uh, no, she doesn't. <laughs> no, okay. do, do I critique it? Yeah. No, as long as it's clear, I don't care. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll let you guys get back. Okay. It was nice to meet you guys. Congrats. Likewise. On <laughs> I'll see you later, Kels. Yeah, unexpected guest on the show. Okay, back back to real stuff. Um, yeah, back to talking fish ponds. Oh, hang on, it's talking <laughs> pools. That's right. I believe you guys don't use chlorine dioxide in the USA. No, back in the day, and, and the day being probably the early twentieth century, um, a lot of the pools that were built in the states were were using actually elemental iodine. Yep. Um, 
and in, and in here in the states we use it, a form of it's called mercurochrome, and they'd use that to like clean cuts and things. Yeah. Like that. Red stuff. I remember as a kid getting it, it was horrible. Yeah. But they used elemental iodine up until about the nineteen. I'd say right after World War II, and then some people were using chlorine dioxide, but very very briefly because it was easily manufactured and easily you know attached to a pool. And then, then chlorine, you know, by itself started to come into the heyday, probably in the late 50s. And chlorine dioxide just in the recreational water, like I mentioned the other day uh, in the email, just it's gone. It's history. So, right. um, but on the industrial side of life, boilers, cooling towers, um, food processing, paper uh, mills, things of that nature, they will use chlorine dioxide. Uh, and have it generated on site because it's easy to do, and they'll use that. But as far as recreational water is concerned, no, not at all, not at all. But and where? What about where you all are? It's considered very much a specialty chemical here. Okay. Is that the sh- same for you, Shane? Yes. Yep. Yeah, it is. You do see it around. Um, mm-hmm. It is around, but yeah, not not. In, I wouldn't say in a high demand. Mm-hmm. And how is it used? Okay. First of all, the application of it, it comes in tablet form. Okay. And it's like a, I often say it's like a giant Barocca tablet. Barocca is a soluble multivitamin. You throw it in a glass of water uh, and it changes the color of the water. Okay. With the chlorine dioxide tablets, we throw those in the pool and you'll see it, it dissolves within minutes. Mm-hmm. And you see this plume of yellowish, greenish gas coming off. Okay. Uh, it's actually a really handy way to test how the circulation's moving around a pool. Uh, Not that I'd recommend it for that, but it shows up any spots that the circulation isn't getting to. Okay. It is often used to put into a skimmer box to uh, to remove biofilm from the insides of pipes. Okay, instead of an enzyme. Yeah, because enzymes just aren't popular here. Hmm. Uh, Very, very rare uh, where in my part of the country anyway. So what I'll do sometimes, for example, if I've got a, a spa or hot tub, I'll throw one of the uh, chlorine dioxide tablets in there uh, or precursor tablets in there. Uh, Mm -hmm. I say precursor because you throw it in, uh, it's sodium chloride and an acid, and they react, releasing the gas, and um, uh, throw the tablet into a spa, circulate it for a bit, then I just dump the water, fill it up again, rinse everything out, dump the water again, and then start from, uh, from scratch. Uh, a lot of spas have got, so I don't know if you've ever cut through a pipe on a spa that hasn't been oh, properly yeah. maintained. It can be a manky, manky pipe. Oh, yes. It's okay. um, <laughs> but with pools, we also use them for, I'm a big fan of using them for biofilms such as black algae and okay. mustard algae. Okay. And I find it works very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it works within a wide range of pH. Okay. I haven't found any good information on the... Yeah, from the pool industry on it, mm-hmm. but reading up a couple of scientific journals, they're saying that it's effective within a pH range of three to nine pH. Okay. If somebody's got their pool outside of that three to nine range, they yeah. have stuffed something up majorly. Uh, yeah. That that takes real talent to get it out there. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, do you guys know if, if it's popular in Europe too? Not something Just- I know. Okay. Maybe yeah, some of our European listeners can, uh, can. Yeah, on that. I mean, most of the time I hear in Europe, uh, UV, ozone, 
uh, or combinations thereof. Sometimes you'll see chlorine or bromine, but it's not common. But yeah, I'm just kind of curious now if, if uh, chlorine dioxide's um, out out in Europe too. But hmm, yeah, the, yeah. If any if any of your uh, European listeners can pipe in and and give us some advice on that, that would be that would be interesting. But yeah, That'd be very States, interesting. No, no, no yeah. I don't believe in Canada either. It's it's very popular. Um, <laughs> I'd have to double check that, but I'm not sure. There was a product released years ago called Magic Mineral something in the USA uh, I was reading and it's been banned in the USA, UK and Canada uh, because all sorts of claims saying that uh, this was designed for consumption, mm -hmm. uh, which consuming chlorine gas is not on my top 10 list of things to do. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> nowhere near it. But that made all sorts of claims about the diseases it could cure and so forth. Just absolute snake oilery. Mm. Oh, we've lost Shane. Um, <laughs> but the other thing is uh, oocysts. So you've got the shell from things like your mustard algaes, it'll, okay. uh, and sorry, cryptosporidium, and it'll break that right. down. Now, I have to be very, very clear to anyone listening, check your local or state health department requirements. But I found something interesting from the New South Wales Department of Health. New South Wales is a state on the other side of Australia, on the East Coast. Okay. And I'll be down around Melbourne. Uh, north of uh, Victoria, where Melbourne is, uh, okay, New South yeah. Wales, Sydney's the capital. Okay. Now we all know about the code brown, the liquid fecal response. Mm -hmm. You have to bring up the bring the pH down to seven point five or below. Bring the free chlorine level uh, to twenty parts per million or above, and maintain that for at least twelve point seven five hours. Right. Now, interesting thing, chlorine dioxide changes all of that. Mm -hmm. So I'm just pulling up the actual numbers here, which have slid off the screen. There we go. Shane's messaging saying he's been cut off. I reckon he went to get a beer. <laughs> All right. So if you've got no chloride di chlorine dioxide, you want a free chlorine concentration, 20 parts per million, 12 hours, 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. And that gives a CT value of 15,300. 15, so milligrams, milligram minutes per litre. Mm. If you have 1.4 parts per million of chlorine dioxide a and a free chlorine concentration of 3.6 parts per million, that reduces the time okay. to four hours, 54 minutes. If you have five parts per million of chlorine dioxide and free chlorine of 2.6, that reduces it to one hour, 45 minutes. Wow. So if you're dealing with uh, uh, liquid code brown, mm. you might not want to stay at the, the venue, the hotel, the pool, whatever it may yeah. be, yeah. For, for 13 odd hours, checking every half an hour. If you can reduce that time, it makes it well, well worth the uh, – admittedly higher price of buying these precursor mm. tablets mm. so that's something interesting yeah and that 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 off also makes you wonder why not something like that in the u.s you know um yeah I'm, I'm trying to think like obviously i wasn't around when they when they stopped using it but you know i guess the chlorine manufacturers lobbied enough 
<laughs> and the various mm-hmm. governments, the, the state governments and whatnot to, to, to do, to, to remove it. But I mean, that makes so much more sense. And it, and it's funny also, ah, I see Shane's coming back. Yep. Um, it's funny also, why wouldn't the CDC here in the States take a look at it and, and, and start investigating it? Cause if, if that, if that combination works for, 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 for everybody out there, why not pass that same information on here, Canada, Europe, you know, wherever it happens, wherever it needs to be. No, that's, this is curious, really curious. Yeah. Looking at the CDC website, uh, mm-hmm. which we don't have anything quite like the CDC over here. We've got the state health departments, many of which contradict okay. each other. Uh, and I think it's largely to do with resources. They don't have the health departments are more, more worried about making sure that, you know, ambulances are getting through hospitals in time than looking at things like swimming pools. Uh, That's a story for another time because I could get very, very political (laughs) right now. Uh, But there are some safety risks with chlorine dioxide, particularly in the handling of it. Uh, You don't want to be... As you're talking, I'm pulling up the CDC website. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, yeah, I I can see what could be a problem. Yeah, so that's one of the chemicals that I always use gloves. If I'm handling, you know, calcium chloride or sodium bicarb, I'm not really concerned about gloves. Maybe I should be, but nah. When I start dealing with things like yeah. chlorine dioxide, yeah, gloves, mm-hmm. tablets normally come individually wrapped, open the packaging, put the tablet in, uh, rinse out the package, and as I take the gloves off, I wrap mm-hmm. the uh, package around it. So the gloves are inside out and then, boom, in the bin. It's just like a plastic bag. Interesting thing as well with the chlorine gas, too high a mm-hmm. concentration becomes extremely explosive. Yes. <laughs> like at a 10% concentration in air, um, I read that it can be ignited by sunlight. Jeez. So that's not something you want to play around with. Uh, for that reason, what I do is I just never put a tablet in a small amount of water. You know, I wouldn't, uh, you know, again, you're putting calcium into a, you know, measuring it out into a bucket yeah. the, the, the truck, take it back to the backyard. It doesn't matter right. if there's a couple of drops of water in the bucket from the rain or the right. last pool or right. whatever. Chlorine dioxide, definitely not something I would risk. I open the packet above the pool. Mm-hmm. The other thing with adding it that I do, because it's a very, very powerful oxidizer, uh, I'm concerned about damaging the surface of the pool. Mm. I haven't done it because I'm too mm. worried about having to replace somebody's liner or right. re-render a pool or something. So what I'll do there, I'll get a bucket of water, uh, about half full or so, put a rock in it. Just follow me. Okay. See where I'm going. Put right. the tablet into okay. it and then immediately lower it down to the bottom of the pool. The pool surface is not in direct contact with the tablet. It's in the bucket, but there is sufficient water around the bucket that the gas is going to dissipate in the water. Okay. And you put it in the Uh, deep end? Normally, yes. Or uh, even if the system's running, which I wouldn't have for a code brown response, I'd turn the system off. But if I'm using it to deal with something like black algae, mustard algae, then I've got no problem having it under a return to get maximum circulation. Yeah. Uh, This gas does rise in the water as mm-hmm. most gases do. Um, but with uh, uh, the bl- black algae side of things, you mm-hmm. still have to do the scrubbing. 
So if it's a rendered pool, mm -hmm. I'll use a stainless steel scrubbing brush. Uh, Pebble Crete, I've got a very coarse nylon type of brush I use. Anything else, uh, I will use a normal standard nylon brush. Mm -hmm. um, Shane and I spoke a few weeks ago about um, carbon, uh, carbon, about a microfiber brush made by Waterco. That's not something okay. I'd use on the hard biofilms. It'll just shred it. Yeah. So uh, still mm. scrub it, scrub it, scrub it. Mm -hmm. But this stuff, the uh, chlorine dioxide, is very, very powerful against getting rid of some of the tricky stuff. Now, what about indoor environments? So you have to be, be more careful about uh, air circulation and fresh air exchange and things like that? I've not had to use one on an indoor pool. Uh, okay. I hope that I never have to use it on a commercial pool here because I think that most of the commercial pools are poorly designed in in terms of their, their air circulation. Oh, uh, I agree with that. 100%. Every commercial pool you walk into, you can smell that combined chlorine. Uh, it stinks. Part of that, of mm -hmm. course, is that it's not treated from the water. Uh, looking at our at my state's uh, CPO equivalent, if you can call it that, they were saying that uh, you should really deal with combined chlorine when it's 50% of free chlorine. Oh, I deal with it when it's 10%, wow. uh, preferably lower than that. Uh, and people complain. My daughter's high school. All the kids complain. Their eyes are stinging. Their skin's burning. Uh, they also say the water tastes and smells funny. Um, mm -hmm. That's an outdoor pool. There's all those organics in there that, that are not being taken care of and not being removed. And that's that's where the taste is coming from, Yeah, I think. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's wild. Uh, so that would I know because in, in the CPO for... program we we, we... Go on. yeah that, well I was going to reiterate that in, in the CPO program it's what four to six fresh air exchangers per hour mm. is what's recommended uh, at least that's what they try to follow here in the states and I agree with you hundred and ten percent that that most indoor pools I'd say built since the the early seventies to even to now are not necessarily are poorly designed as far as fresh air. Uh, exchange rates and and things of that nature. They're either uh, undersized or non-existent in mm -hmm. some cases. Um, I mean, that's how Legionnaires' disease was kind of brought to the to the to the news because of what mm -hmm. happened in Philadelphia, where there wasn't no, the pool was all the way in the cellar and there was no air exchange whatsoever, zero, and that that's what caused part of the problem. But yeah, um, uh, I asked about the fresh air exchange because uh, I mean the indoor pool. Because you know the gassing off of, of the chlorine dioxide, mm. if you got poor air exchange, you got big time problems. Yeah, you know, not just trying to use the the chlorine dioxide in the pool. I mean, like you said, you know flammability. Mm. Um, uh, uh, you're talking about uh, uh, toxicity to, to humans, your lungs if yeah. you breathe it. You know, exactly right. Everything. Yeah. So. Mm. Mm. Um, Isn't chemistry thing, fun? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Another thing I found in some uh, public pools, which which surprised me at first, was as you go through the the building, you get to a certain corner or a certain part of the building where the smell becomes so much stronger. But when you think about it, just as we need to be very careful about designing the circulation system of water in the pool to make sure there are no dead spots, the same should be done when building an indoor pool enclosure. Uh, it's not just about... I have, I have, a, sto I have a story everywhere. for you. I have a good story for you. The World Aquatic Health Conference in 2006 
was um, in Atlanta. I think it was in Atlanta. And the hotel that they had booked the conference at had an indoor pool that was right off the lobby. As soon as I opened up the front doors, whoosh, mm. that smell of corn. And I'm going, oh, this is not the place to have a World Aquatic Health Conference <laughs> with all this smell going through the system. And it got worse as you went to the went to your rooms. Didn't get any better. And uh, it, it got worse in the upper levels too. But their excuse was they wanted to keep the pool up for our conference because they were going to destroy it or tear it down or, or whatever uh, right after the conference. They're going to they're going to redo it. But they decided to keep the water in in place, but close the pool down, and they never maintained sanitation. So the chloramine level just rose and rose and rose and rose. I, I remember using one of my test kits, and I think I read the, the um, fine chlorine level as somewhere around 15, 15 parts per million. Combined, one, five, yeah, That's, it was bad. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting, you mentioned that they weren't maintaining it and so forth. One thing I, I tell people when they say, oh, it doesn't matter if the pool's green, I'm not using it. I talk about the damaging of the pool and so forth. Uh, not just the people swimming in it. But what we do isn't just keep people swimming in the pool safe. When you look at things like, I'm thinking it was 2007, 2008 in California, there was a West Nile virus outbreak. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. We're responsible for public health to a degree as well. Even if we're working in somebody's backyard pool, look, if there's algae, there's bacteria. I, I believe that completely there's also viruses fungi all sorts of biohazards right you get the larvae of mosquitoes and other insects and stuff that breeds if they pick up some of these biohazards some of these microbes they take them and bite the kid next door and he dies from i don't know west nile virus or something then why wouldn't we be preventing that so right. I've got very little time for people who say, and I hear from customers all the time this, this time of year, start of winter, don't worry about it, we're not using the pool. Hey everyone, Andrea here. Thank you so much for listening to Mondays Down Under with Peter and Shane, and today with Wayne. Stay tuned next week, listen to their part two episode listen to the continuation of their story and thank you again for listening i hope everybody has a great week let us know what you think at talkingpools at gmail.com if you have any questions or if you'd like us to talk about something that is concerning you please let us know like i said have a great week bye
I just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for listening today. I'm hoping you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed putting it together for you. Listen, it's been a couple of wacky, crazy, screwed up years from pandemic to Poolmageddon. I just want you to know that we are all in this together. If there's anything that we can do for you, send me an email at talkingpools at gmail.com. Again, that's talkingpools at gmail.com. We're here. This is your podcast. We are the Pool People's Podcast of the Pool People for the Pool People by the Pool People's Podcast. This one is about you. So thank you for tuning in and listening. Do me a favor. Click subscribe before you go. That way you don't miss an episode. 